Good morning, church family. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together once again, especially around this time. Um, this, uh, since we are going to have a family meeting at uh, 8 o'clock tonight, um, hopefully this will not be the last of our meeting for these coming weeks. But if it is, um, let us be reminded of the goodness of God. Uh, let us be reminded that God is with us, um, even with the uh, looming uh, lockdown that might um, come as a result of the spread um, of the, the virus uh, and how it has been spreading. Let us also um, be reminded to be cautious. Um, we love fellowship. We love being around each other. Um, let us love each other um, by being cautious around each other. Amen. We have been going through Mark. Um, today we are in chapter 2, verse 23 to verse 28. Mark chapter 2, verse 22 to 20, um, verse 23 to 28. Um, we and this is a practice of our church is that we preach through the the Bible um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and um, word for word. And this is because we are convinced that God speaks through His Word, and the best way to hear Him is to hear the Word of God. Um, it is not my desire to share my ideas with you, but to um, have the Word of God speak to all of us this morning. So Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28, we're looking at Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. I'll open up um, by reading, and then we will um, uh, pray. Let us look at God's word. This is God's word. Let us hear him. I read from the ESV, verse 23 of Mark chapter 2, up until verse 28. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which, which, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. So the Son, the son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for this time that we get to spend together being instructed by your word. As your word is declared, we pray that our hearts will hear your voice. Speak to us, O oh God. Shape us, uh, conform us to your um, word. Let us be a people that 
truly are led by you, governed by your word in our thinking, in our speech, in our actions, in every area of our lives, O Lord. May you be glorified as we draw near to you this morning. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Now, several times in this chapter we've seen, uh, chapter 2, Jesus has offended the religious Jews. Have you ever done something that you get to a point you, you think that uh, you, you never do anything right in the eyes of people? Right? Everything, every time you do something, it seems that in the eyes of those who are observing you, it is never right. This is the case with Jesus. We, we see his interactions with the Jews, the Pharisees. It seems that they always have something to say against whatever he does. He has not broken the law of the Lord, but he has violated the traditions of men. They are upset with Jesus because he refuses to do the things they say people ought to do. We've already seen them get upset because Jesus had the audacity to eat a meal in a sinner's home surrounded by other sinners, right? When he's in, in Levi's house. And this was a scandal over his display of grace. Then we saw their anger over the Lord's refusal to observe rituals and rules the Jewish leaders commanded all, Jewish, um, all Jews to follow. In verse 18, that was the scandal over sacraments, right? When we saw Jesus pure and unmixed. In this passage, we are confronted with another scandal. For, for the Jews, this would be no ordinary scandal. Uh, for, for this scandal would, would create such anger and hatred toward Jesus that the Jews would eventually seek to kill him. If you look at chapter 3, verse 6. In the passage that serves us, uh, that serves as our text this morning, we are going to consider the scandal over the Sabbath, right? That Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We are going to be given our Lord's opinion concerning the Sabbath day and its observance. There's so much to consider here. Some of it will not sit well with some people, but just that's the, the way it is, isn't it? I'm committed to preaching the Bible and not to please people. I would like you to be happy, yes, when you hear the word, but it is not every time that we hear the word we are going to be happy because the word will touch even areas that we seek not to be touched. And so it is prudent to develop and and, 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 and have a heart of humility when it comes to the word. As we study this passage, I want you to listen with an open mind and an open heart. Let the Lord speak truth to your soul today and let the word of God have the final word in all matters of faith and practice. Above all, don't miss the primary lesson in this passage, right? The primary lesson taught here is that a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus is far more important than keeping religious rules and rituals. Let's dig into these verses and consider the thoughts contained here. I want to preach as the Lord gives liberty this morning on Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. 
the, the passage breaks into three episodes. The first episode we see it in verse 23 and 24, Jesus and the irritation. Jesus and the irritation. Look at verse 23. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they, 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 they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? The, the, the Pharisees are upset again here. It, it seems to me that their primary goal in life was to set themselves as judge and jury on the lives of others. Every time you see these men in the Bible, they are criticizing something. I will repeat what I said the other week. The meanest people in the world are people with religion. A person who has all the rules and no relationship with Jesus Christ is a hard person to deal with. These men are upset. They, they cannot believe what they just, what, what they, they are observing as, as the disciples of Jesus or whatever the disciples of Jesus are doing. Let us look at why they are so displeased. Look at verse 23. The, the, the Pharisees are upset because the disciples are eating grain. They are eating grain in a field on the Sabbath day. It was probably wheat that these men were eating as they walked through this field. Remember, there were few roads as we know them in those days. But there were paths that ran alongside um, and through the fields at that time. As the travelers passed by, the grain would be within reach. Now, we would probably not like it if a person passed by our garden and just helped themselves, would we? Uh, but this um, was common. Uh, well, it was a common practice in those days. In, in fact, the law of Moses gave clear instruction concerning this matter. If a sojourner was to pass through your field, you were to allow them to eat of the fruits of your uh, garden. The disciples were well within their rights to pick the grain and, and eat it. Uh, why were the Pharisees so torn up about it? The, the disciples dared to do what the law allowed, but they dared to do it on the Sabbath day. Now, in verse 24, we see the criticism towards the disciples. The, the Pharisees come to Jesus and attack him because his men are picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath day. They, they accuse the disciples of doing something unlawful on the Sabbath day. The, the, the question that arises is this was what the disciples um, were doing an unlawful activity. The picking grain and eating it violate the law. Well, the answer is obviously no. It did not violate the law. The law was very clear in what it prohibited on the Sabbath. When you look at Exodus chapter 20 about the Sabbath, Leviticus chapter 23 verse 3 and Deuteronomy 5, you notice that the, the people were not allowed to work on the Sabbath day, right? The, the word work refers to their business. The, the people of Israel were forbidden from labor that brought them a profit on that day. God was so serious about the children of Israel keeping the Sabbath that he made it clear that people who violated the Sabbath, um, the, the Sabbath day were to be banned or were to be uh, uh, put to death. Right? 
And the disciples were not working. They were simply meeting a pressing need. Right? They were hungry and they simply they were simply doing what the Lord gave them permission to do. And here's the problem. The Pharisees were not judging these men according to the law of Moses. They were not using the word of God as the standard. They were judging them according to the teachings of the rabbis and the elders. The traditions and and teaching of men had been placed on the same level with the written word of God. The disciples had not violated God's law. They had violated the traditions of men and the Pharisees are upset about it. For hundreds of years, the scribes, the Pharisees, and, the, and others had added regulation on top of regulation that went far beyond the original writings of Scripture. They had taken a day that had been given to men as a blessing, and they, by their foolish rules and regulation, had turned it into a day of burden. Now, the, the, the Sabbath day was given as a means of grace for, for people to rest. But the way the, 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 the Pharisees dealt with it, they, they put a lot of rules. That the rules that the people were required to follow made them work harder on the Sabbath than on any other day. They worked so hard trying to be sure that they did, they did not violate the Sabbath regulations, that they had no time to rest on that special day. Let me give you a quick glance of some of the rules that uh, will tell you why the day had become such a burden to the Jews. The people were forbidden from traveling um, more than 900 meters from their homes on the Sabbath. A Jew could not carry an object that weighed more than a dried fig, but an object that weighed half that amount could be carried twice. One could... One could eat larger on the Sabbath day, um, a a larger meal uh, than an olive, right? If you you eat anything, you had to eat something that was um, an olive or less than an olive. You could not throw an object into the air with one hand and catch it with the other. If the Sabbath came upon you as you were reaching out for food, right? You would have to drop the food because, um, before you pulled your arm back. Otherwise, you would be guilty of carrying a burden on the Sabbath. Nothing could be bought or sold on the Sabbath. Clothing could not be washed or dyed. A letter could not be sent. A fire could not be lit or extinguished. In fact, if you failed to light your lamps before the Sabbath, you had to sit in the dark until the next evening. Jews could not take a bath on the Sabbath. If they did, some of the water might slash the floor, and this would be considered washing the floor. Chests or a heavy object could not be moved because dragging them uh, might make a furrow in the ground, and that would be considered plowing. A woman could not look into uh, a looking glass, into a mirror, because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. False teeth could not be worn because they exceeded the the weight limits. 
A Jewish tailor could not carry a needle with him on the Sabbath, uh, lest he be tempted to mend a torn garment. It was against the law to tie or untie a knot, or sew two stitches, or prepare food. If a Jew was injured on the Sabbath, it was unlawful to make him better. You could only keep, give him enough treatment to keep him alive. These restrictions had even become so dangerous. On two occasions, the Jews were defeated by their enemies, and thousands of Jews died because they refused to defend themselves on the Sabbath. This is just a small sample of the thousands of senseless, foolish, man-made rules the Jews were forced to live by. The Sabbath, as a result, was a day filled with burdensome ritual and no rest at all. Because people would be worried about, um, I'm doing work, I'm, I'm plowing, I'm, 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 I'm breaking the Sabbath. So when the Pharisees saw the disciples picking and eating grain on the Sabbath day, they considered what they were doing to be work. Picking grain was considered reaping. Rolling the wheat um, to, to, to remove the husk was sifting. Rubbing the heads of the wheat was threshing. Bruising the ears of the wheat was grinding and, and tossing them up into the air was winnowing. The, the lesson for us is this. We must be very careful that the doctrines and traditions of men do not come to have the same authority in our lives as the word of God. The Bible is God's final authority. It is the only standard for our faith and practice. The word of God and nothing else. There are so many things today that try to come at the same level with the word of God. I'll give one example. There's a, a, a booklet that runs around with a lot of people. It's called Rhapsody of Realities. I actually had a conversation um, two weeks ago with someone who had a new Rhapsody of Realities in a plastic and she was telling me that she's a member of this uh, particular um, church, and, um, which I think is, is not a church. But anyways, um, um, I, I, I touched the Rhapsody of Realities. I look at it. I'm like, oh, Rhapsody of Realities. She says, yes, that's all I read. A placing... The word of God with the word of man. Isn't that what happens today? When we go to church, that's to hear the word from the man of God. To hear the man of God tell me about something that I don't know. Right? Oh, prophesy to me. We, we want to put the, these, these prophecies alongside the word of God. That's the danger. The danger of replacing the word of God with the traditions of men. The danger of replacing the word of God and putting the things of men alongside the word of God as if they were equals. People who follow um, people who call themselves major one or who call themselves the big prophet, the big men of God, hardly read the word of God. They hardly know the word of God. And they are susceptible to being deceived. 
When you ask them, how much time do you spend in the word? They hardly spend time in the word. By this, I'm, 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 I'm encouraging and exhorting you to spend time in the word of God. Our standard is the written word of God. Our standard is the word of God. Our standard is not some dream that you just saw, some vision that you heard. It is not that. It is the word of God. If there's no book, chapter and verse, you better keep quiet. Now look at Jesus, how he responds. Verse 25 to verse 26. We see now the, the, the next episode in verse 25 to verse 26. Jesus and the illustration. Let's look at it. Verse 25, he says, and he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and uh, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. When, when his men were attacked, Jesus neither condemns the disciples nor condone, condones their actions, and neither does he enter in, into an argument with the Pharisees. Jesus did what we should do when people want to argue religion with us. He pointed them to the word of God. He pointed them to the truth. Look at verse 25. His confrontation. As I said, Jesus did not argue argue with these men. He he merely pointed them back to the word of God. He, He looks at these men who pride themselves in their knowledge of the word. And he says, have you never read? Do you pick up the sarcasm there? He, he gets these men to understand that their argument was not based on a proper understanding of what the Bible says about such matters. He is indicating to them that you spend so much time in the scriptures, but you are actually ignorant of what the Bible says. One of the ways to, to really know the Bible and still be ignorant of the Bible is to read the Bible as if it was a, it was, as if God was treating the Bible, right? You come the next day, you said, verse of the day, I read John 3 verse 16. Tomorrow you read uh, Psalm 23 verse 1. The next day, Romans chapter 1 verse 2. That's not reading the Bible. That, that's not reading the Bible. God did not treat the Bible. He did not write a Facebook post day by day. He gave the books of the Bible. We read them book by book, chapter by chapter. That's how God gave the Bible. You know, people have these little cards that um, they buy at Kum Books or somewhere else. And, and, and this card has a, a word of encouragement of the day. It's good to have the, the cards to, to memorize scripture. But if, if that is all that you read and you don't go to your Bible, you're not reading the Bible. The, 
Jesus takes them to the Bible. He shows them that they have a they don't have a proper understanding of what the Bible says about such matters. It is easy to get, to get off balance in this area. It is easy to ride your favorite hobby horse and fail to see what else the Bible has to say. It is easy to get hung up on, on how people you know, dress, how people eat, and, and where they shop, and, and things of that nature. Yet many fail to see that the Bible is bigger than just a few of these pet issues. It is easy to yell, Amen, when a preacher is preaching on the issues, um, you know, on these kind of frivolous um, issues, and not even realize what he is saying, that it has no foundation in the Bible. I've heard many preachers preach on things that the Bible is not against, and their listeners are shouting, Amen. They preach against uh, you know, uh, why are women wearing earrings and why are they not doing this you know, and, and that and that. And, and, and so you, you, you hear uh, people cheering them on. But if you were to say, let us be Bereans and check what the Bible says, you will not find it at all in the Bible. One author says, where the Bible shouts, you must shout. Where the Bible is silent, you must whisper. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing, shouldn't we? The problem starts when we make up our own rules that are not in the Bible and try to enforce them on people. And that's sad, isn't it? What may be even sadder is the fact that People in the pew are so biblically illiterate that don't, they don't even know the junk that the preacher is spewing, that it's just his opinion or the traditions of men. In the end, it will not matter what I say. It will not matter what I believe. All that matters is what the Bible says. All that matters is what the Bible says. We have this thing in our generation. You know, our generation is so privileged. We have this thing that is, I, 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 I call it um, voluntary illiteracy. It is not that we don't know how to read. We know how to read. It's just we, we don't read. In fact, not that we don't read. We don't read what is important. You, you would find someone reading post upon post upon post on Facebook. But when it comes to the Bible, they will not read. You will see someone reading memes, right? There are some memes that are written again. The whole day, reading memes. And if you were to put those words of the memes together, it would probably be 2,500 words. You could read Ephesians. And finish it. But the problem is your priority. You've chosen voluntary illiteracy when it comes to the word of God. But with other things, your heart is there. Your heart is charmed by those things. You can read a magazine and finish it in a day. 
but you can't read the word of God. Voluntary illiteracy. With voluntary illiteracy comes deception. An openness to deception. You can be easily deceived. You can be easily misled. You can be easily blinded. Many times our problem is the same problem the Pharisees had. We haven't taken time to read it for ourselves and we swallow the slop we are fed and call it good. Shame on us. Now look at verse 26. Jesus proceeded to remind them of an incident that occurred during the life of David. While he was fleeing from Saul, he and his men needed food. This is in, 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 in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 to 6. David and his men come to the priest and ask for food. The, the priest tells David, there is no bread but the holy bread. You see, the holy bread was 12 loaves of bread that were baked every Sabbath day. These 12 loaves were placed on a table in the holy place in the, tab- in the tabernacle. The, the 12 loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel. They, they reminded Israel of the Lord's presence among his people and of their dependence upon him for their physical need. It was also called the bread of the presence. The, the holy bread was changed every Sabbath day and the old bread was eaten by the priest in the holy place. This bread was not to be eaten by non-priest according to the law, but it was given to David and his men. The, the clear teaching here is that there are times when human needs are more important than a legalistic keeping of the law. Jesus makes the same point in other places when you look at the word of God in Luke chapter 13 verse 11 to 17, Luke chapter 14 verse 1 to 6. There are times when we must consider, and, and you'll see it in chapter, in chapter 3, verse 1 to 6 next week, where we, we, the, 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 a legalistic keeping of the law has to be put aside in order to serve and to um, preserve life. Isn't it? You think about the examples of the Hebrew women, right? The, 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 what, was it the, the maidens who were um, helping the Hebrew women to give birth and um, when Pharaoh told them to kill the, the, the boys, what did they do? They lied to Pharaoh, right? And, and in order to preserve life and God, what, what happened with God? He honored them right? You think about the Rahab the, the prostitute when the spies came and they hid at her house she misdirected those who wanted to take their lives, to preserve life. And because of her faith in God, she was honored. Now look at verse 27 to verse 23. We see the last episode. This is Jesus and the illumination here. Jesus and the illumination. Verse 27 to verse 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Uh, these next two verses give us a lot of insight into the Sabbath, the, the reasons for its observance and the place it holds in our lives today. 
and in verse uh, uh, 27, we see the reason for the Sabbath. Jesus tells these men and us that the Sabbath was given to men. The Sabbath does not exist to be served. It exists to serve. The Sabbath, which means rest or cessation or inactivity, was first observed by God. Right in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, when the Lord had finished the work of creation, he ceased from his work. The, the Sabbath was given to man out of the grace of God. God gave man, and, and, and I'm using that term man in a genetic sense, right, to refer to men and women. Um, um, God gave uh, men and women one day out of, uh, out of seven in which he did not have uh, work for a living. Man was to take that one day per week, and he was to rest from his physical labors. And like the Lord, men and women were to use that day for reflection on what the Lord had done for them the other six days. Man was to use that time to rest his body, reflect on the blessings of the Lord, and refresh his spirit by worshiping the Lord. That was the original intent of the Sabbath. But by the time Jesus came to this world, the Jews had perverted the day and had so regulated it that it was no longer a day of rest uh, or, or reflection and refreshment. The Sabbath had become a day of endless rules, regulations, and burdens. The Sabbath, as God intended it, had ceased to exist. While we are on this matter of the Sabbath, this would be a good time to get a clear understanding of what it is and what it isn't. Right? This is also a good time to clear up some of the questions and misunderstandings that swirl around the Sabbath day and its observance. First of all, let me, um, just to give us some, some knowledge here, the, the, the Sabbath day was given as a shadow of Jesus Christ. It pictures rest, uh, the rest his people find in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? When, the, when the real thing has come, there is no more need for the shadow. Those who are saved have entered the Lord's rest, haven't they? When you look at Hebrews chapter 4, we are not laboring to be accepted by the Lord. We are accepted in the beloved, according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. And every day is a Sabbath day of rest in our souls before the Lord. Again, the, the Sabbath was the sign of Israel, the sign to Israel of the Mosaic covenant. We are not Israel, are we? And the Sabbath is not for us. Thirdly, Christians are never commanded to keep the Sabbath day. Not in the Gospels or not in the Epistles. It is the only one of the Ten Commandments that is not reaffirmed in the New Testament. Why is that? Because it is ceremonial in nature. While the other nine commandments are moral in nature. Jesus and the apostles upheld the other nine commandments. The, the teaching of the Sabbath belongs in the Old Covenant. Of course, there is the principle that we can take from there. It does not mean we throw it away. Fourthly, the church was formed. Um, when the church was formed, the Christians met for worship on the first day of the week. They met on this day to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, right? It was the first day of the week when the believers met. This is in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. The, the Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week, or the Saturday. Sunday, for the early Christians, was just the first day of the week. They met for worship after they had finished 
their day, their work of the day. Christians do not observe the Sabbath, and Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. In fact, Paul rebuked the Galatians for forcing the observance of certain days in Galatians chapter 4, verse 10. Now, I realize that many believers, there are many believers who do not believe in buying or selling on Sunday. Some believers don't go out to eat or go to the mall on Sunday. And I know a lot of preachers who preach against doing those kind of things on Sunday. On the other hand, there are other Christians who see nothing wrong with those things on Sunday. Who is right and who is wrong? Does the Bible give any clear instructions in this? Yes, it actually does. It does. When you look at Romans chapter 14, verse 1 to, 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 to 12, it tells us that we are not to judge others in matters like these. Right? Some people in the early church, namely those saved out of Judaism, were judging Gentile believers because they didn't keep the Sabbath. Right? Paul says that they were not to judge one another in respect to the holy day, of, um, to, to, to observances of, of holy uh, days. One of our problems is that we judge people for what they do and fail to look at what we do ourselves. For instance, some people judge others because they go out on Sunday, but that person doing the judging thinks nothing about driving over the speed limit. Right? They, they judge one person because they violate the traditions of men while they violate the clear commandments of the scripture. The Bible says nothing about what you can and cannot do on Sunday, but it clearly tells you to obey the law of the land. Actually, let me, um, let me continue here. Um, Jesus, in verse 28, sums it up by telling the Pharisees that he is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, it is far more important to know him through a personal relationship than it is to keep the rules and rituals, right? Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. The rules and rituals cannot save the soul. Jesus can. You can keep the Sabbath, honor the dietary laws, do all the things that people think uh, you are supposed to do and still die and go to hell. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are destined for heaven. Whether you keep the Sabbath or not, and here's how the Bible says it in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing, and you will be saved. Well, that, uh, that is just in parentheses, right? Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 31 has no plus nothing and minus nothing. Um, now, let, let, let's talk a bit about attending church on Sunday and why it is important, even when you don't feel like going to church. Let me give you a couple of reasons. I, I borrow these from David Gunderson. This I will conclude with. Um, I hope it is not really uh, that much of a view of... Um, let me encourage you for, for coming to church. Right? It, 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 it honors the Lord when believers gather. But I know that sometimes we become so discouraged that we don't want to go to church. Let me give you a couple of reasons why you should ask grace and go. Right? Well, first one. Go because the church gathers every Sunday to remember the death of Jesus for our sins and the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And that's precisely what we all need to remember and celebrate regardless of what else is happening in our lives. Secondly, go because like Martha, you've been working all week. And like Mary, 
You need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Thirdly, go. Because the songs of the saints are the soundtrack of the Bible. And your soul needs to sing and hear singing more than you'll ever know. You see, singing, brothers and sisters, is like a, 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 a sanctified earworm. Right? Have you, once you hear a song and then all of a sudden it doesn't want to get out of your head. Uh, we, we must, uh, you know, cultivate this, this thing of having the, the songs that we sing as sanctified earworms. When you are just going throughout the day and you are, you are just singing, How great thou art. In, in, your, in your mind, you, you are thinking about the fact that he will hold me fast. And, and these songs are just in your heart, ruminating in your, in your mind and just ministering to you. Again, go, because the, Bible, um, because the Bible you'll hear tells the true story of the world. And the gathering of heaven's saints on earth is nothing less than the presence of the future. Go because the rest you ultimately need is not just sleeping in or getting out of town, but rediscovering the gospel's promise that in Christ you're forgiven, new and free. Go because the goodness of this gospel is not just that you are reconciled to God, but we are reconciled to each other. Go not because your trials aren't real. Listen to this. Go not because your trials aren't real. They are real. But because the, that table with the bread and wine represents the crucifixion of the worst sins you could ever commit and the worst realities you'll ever experience. Go and in your going, grow. Go and in your going, serve. Go and in your going, Lord, let God pick up the shards of your heart and piece together the kind of mosaic the only, uh, that only gets fully crafted when his saints commit um, to his long-term building project. When we speak the truth to one another in love. You see, the most important time to be a church is when you don't feel like it. So please, brothers and sisters, be a church. Amen? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we want to thank you. Thank you that our Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. That we are not created to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created to serve us. Thank you for giving us true rest in Jesus Christ. That we can experience this. We can rejoice over this. That our souls are truly at rest in you. Help us to love you and honor you, Lord. To glorify and live for you. May you help us, O oh Father, walk in your ways at all times. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.